0: Be part of an innovative fine arts community immersed in a top research university. Carnegie Mellon University's School of Music's world-class vocal department constantly works at the cutting edge of musical art forms. CMU performance faculty are creating projects that leverage musicians' skill sets in unique and applicable ways. Students are challenged to think outside the box as they engage with non-traditional performance spaces, collaboration with electronics, and improvisation, alongside a robust program of traditional studies, languages, recitals, and operas. To learn more about Carnegie Mellon University and to apply, visit the link in the show notes of this episode. So,
1: so, so lit.
2: This is So Lit! Songlit, a production of Cincinnati Song Initiative where we reimagine the repertoire by introducing less familiar art songs through sound clips and lively discussion. I'm vocal coach Ellen Rissinger. I'm soprano Tony marie Palmertree.
3: And I'm tenor Zachary Dean-Smith.
0: Join us as we explore this exciting repertoire. so
2: solent, reimagining the repertoire. This week we are discussing composer Henrietta Bossmans. The discovery of her music was quite the treasure hunt story from what I understand, Ellen. Would you tell us how you found her? I don't know if it was
0: a treasure hunt so much as a treasure trove. Ah, I'm going to say right now a shout out to Waleveen Witten, a Dutch coach friend of mine whom I called immediately and said, how do I pronounce this name? Because my German ear wants to say Bosmans. Mm -hmm. So Bosmans is from an official Dutch person. Oh, right. we found her name on, again, we were just looking up lists of queer composers. I mean, there are lists on Wikipedia. There are lists in different websites. So it's it's always kind of a fun rabbit hole to go down because they mm-hmm. seem to have different names in different places. Mm. And when I found her name, I said, let's just, let's go on YouTube, see what she's got. And we found D Melody and realized as we were looking at the the po- the post of the YouTube clip we realized that it was the composer and her partner Mm -hmm. that were performing these. Oh, how cool. Yeah. And stunningly beautiful.
3: It's a gorgeous set of music, composed very much in the later part of her life. Although she had a very interesting life, let's be clear.
0: Okay, so let's hear about her life.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So she started off uh, learning piano, which I think you can hear a little bit in the way that she composes for voice. She started off learning piano, and um, sort of as the peak of her career started, because she was in the Netherlands at the time, and because of the rise of the Third Reich um, was having such an influence on uh, the political climate at the time, at a certain point uh, Jewish performers were banned from performing, which sort of allowed her to get her foot in the door because she was not Jewish, she was a Jewish case. As the as it was.
0: Okay. I should say, since you said the Netherlands, she was Dutch. hmm
3: yeah. But
0: these songs are in
3: French. Yes. And because she was not as Jewish. hmm Jewish, if you will, as oh, her no.
0: said. <laughs> Welcome to 2023, 24. <laughs> Here we are.
3: Um, she was allowed to perform and she got a great deal of success out of it. However, Eventually, the Third Reich would have a pretty uh, profound impact on her life as well, as um, sometime in, I believe, 1943 or 1944, her mother, who was Jewish but converted to Catholicism, which is why she was considered a Jewish case, was the official term for it. Okay. Her mother was taken to a concentration camp, and Bosmans, in all her boldness, told the camp to give her mother back. <laughs> She said, my mother is a converted Catholic, she is not actually Jewish, I want her back. And the camp gave her back, and she spent the next year and a half or so basically starving on the street with her mother. It was winter at the time, it was brutally cold out, and they had like almost no way to survive, but they made it through, the mother made it through, Henriette made it. Henrietta made it through, and... During that period, during um, the period of the Second World War, her compositions really slowed because she was just trying to survive. Right. Her
0: dates are 1895 to 1952. hmm
3: So she lived through both of the wars. She lived through both of them. Um, but as an adult, the one that would have been most impactful mm-hmm. would have been the Second World War. At a certain point, it was illegal for gatherings of more than 20 people um, in the Netherlands so they would get together a bunch of composers would get together actually she was um i believe in a relationship with a violinist maybe she was a cellist um who was the head of the orchestra and like a prominent organizer of the resistance mm-hmm. um before they eventually separated um and they would get together on what were called black evenings where they would get together under the cover of dark and play music for each other very illegal and people got hurt when these things were discovered
0: was she ever discovered
3: she was not she managed to get out the one instance that was rated in uh, in particular but it was not good for a lot of her Co- friends her at colleagues. the time yeah. yeah
2: wow
3: Toward the end of her life shortly after 1945 she began to compose again and this is actually where um, the d-melody come from she wrote these songs for her uh, close friend at the time, which, as we've said before, is often a code word for a lover, by the name of Noemi Perugia, who was a mezzo who performed a lot of her works. They toured. These pieces were written for her until, unfortunately, um, Bosman's died of stomach cancer in 52.
0: These di melodie when we heard them, we loved them. So when I got the score and just started playing the opening melody of the very first song, "La Chanson des Marins Allés," with of the the song of the the tanned sailors, I played the first intro. The, the this one, the piano music is so pretty. Mm. These these chords, mm-hmm. I, I have nothing. I played them and I was like, I do not care what the vocal line sounds like. <laughs> we are doing these songs. <laughs>
2: It's like immediately you're sucked in. And the other thing that I, I really like about them is that it's like the piano shines and then it gets out of the way and then the singer has something to say and then the piano shines and then the singer has something to say. Exactly. And I feel
0: like the, the, the swelling of the piano part is very wavy. Mm-hmm. It's very much waves. You feel the sea, you feel the ocean. The second song in the set is called Le regard Éternel. I have to say a lot of them sound sad or mournful or deep and dark somehow, mm-hmm. Which in some way.
3: makes sense, coming from the period that she just came from.
0: Absolutely. Mm. This one is so static, and it starts out with the line, This evening, t- tonight, I dreamt that my my lover was dead.
2: Mm. I mean... I- it almost sounds like distant bombs in the, in the baseline of the piano. Like it just keeps going and going and going mm-hmm. and maybe recurring nightmares for her, you know?
1: Thank you.
0: As as the song continues, there's still a little more of the, the sort of chordal structure that we heard in the first song, and it starts to move a little bit more. But you get, again, a lot of places where the piano just stops and lets the voice just take over. It's very speechy. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of what I would call talking on it, on pitch, because there's so much. If you look at, if you get to the second page, there's a fermata, and then the singer just has triplets on the same pitch to try and just say the text yeah the third song is la chanson fatale and this has a little bit more movement it has a lot of like again pfiff in the piano part it has a lot (laughs) of energy in the piano piano part but still what you're saying is life is short and the sea is huge Mm-hmm. And you feel the grandeur of it by just starting on an F-sharp and getting all the way up to the D and then going dropping down to the low D. So you feel the whole expansion of an octave in all of this. And I just think it's really fun.
3: A lot of these early pieces, there's a beautiful focus on the ocean and the sounds of the sea, which you hear very much as the chords rock back and forth um, in a way that is just beautifully set by her.
0: And since you said she had piano training, you can feel it. Like the Absolutely. piano parts feel like piano parts. They feel like she played the piano.
2: I feel like the vocal parts are very accessible for a lot of different levels of singers. It doesn't like jump around too much, but definitely need to have command over what you're saying because the the responsibility is on the singer's part to make music with it. You really have to get the text to feel like text.
0: Absolutely. This set is one of the first things that I've seen, or I would say one of the earliest things that I've seen, where they kind of skip syllables, and they sort of sing the way you speak. Like, she doesn't have, je suis pas un matelot, that she has, je suis pas un matelot. So, you have to sort of realize what's missing and sing more in the way that you speak. Because I remember my last French teacher telling me I sounded like I was speaking lyric diction. French. Thank you very much. <laughs> but that's really it like when they when they're speaking in French you would drop a lot of the schwas right. and in this text she really does on svera like you don't say souvera you say s'vera. Wow. And She skips the syllables. So it's really fun to sort of dig
2: into actual speech too. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. rare to see that written out like that.
0: Mhm. I have to say one of my favorites in this set though is le diable dans la nuit. because <laughs> It's it's fast. It's rough on the piano. This one is not easy. It takes a little bit of practice in certain places, but it's super cute. <laughs> and it starts with the devil runs through the night. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: And it plays with some slightly weird sounds in the voice. Um, like it is not a conventional like aria like thing or even a conventional sing through. There's some like slightly nasty sort of sound stuff happening. Absolutely.
0: Well, the, the place that we wanted to start this clip starts off almost immediately with the word for vomiting in French. (laughs) What I loved, I did this on the recital with Sarah Austin, who is the singer today on the clips. And what I loved about it was we found... The early piece that we started with was a Vivaldi set that actually mentioned vomiting as well. <laughs> so we had an Italian song that mentioned vomiting, and we have in a French song that mentions vomiting. And I was like, When are we ever going to have that on a recital again in two different languages?
3: Weird <laughs> theme for a recital.
1: Well, I,
2: know, I, I may have to find an English set, though. I have mm-hmm. you know, just to make make it fun. <laughs> Isn't singing just an elongated vomit anyway? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. No, but that is very interesting that you accidentally had two pieces in two different languages. That's very interesting.
0: Because I, I, I was the one that recommended these and her teacher recommended the Vivaldi. So,
2: Oh my gosh, that's really... A...
0: No idea how that happens. That's
2: incredible.
1: Subtitles for shit to for
0: Other joys of this set is that it is orchestrated.
3: It is
0: amazing. So as much as I love to play the piano, this is also a phenomenal orchestra piece for singers. I don't
3: believe she was the one who actually orchestrated it, but it is a gorgeous setting. All the depth and nuance that you can't quite achieve with just a piano. Is so thoroughly present in the orchestrated version of it. You hear the full depth of the sea. It's beautiful.
0: Yeah. So if you're looking for something really big for a mezzo to sing on a concerto competition, for example, mm. that it might not be the Kindertotenlieder. <laughs> <laughs>
3: What's wrong with the Kinder Totenlieder?
0: Nothing except I, I've been to concerto competitions where three people have sung the Kinder Totenlieder. Yeah. So I would prefer to find something different from everyone else. Mm-hmm. And certainly these are accessible for an audience. Yeah. They're not so crunchy that mm-hmm. that they can't enjoy them. They might not know them as well as they know the Kinder Totenlieder, but I think they will love them as much as we do. Absolutely. Purchase information for the score will be in the show notes. And as for a level. I think you could sing this rather young. I don't know I don't know if you may be absolute beginners, but I think this is not out of the realm of the possible for a young-ish singer.
2: Especially because the way that she sets the, the rhythm and the notes and the melody matches how it would flow naturally in the, the language. If you have a great diction coach at, at your disposal, they, they will probably sing themselves so much easier. So I would start there and then work on the melody.
3: I will say I think that it requires not only a strong attention to text with the way that it is done with a very conversational French, but also a lot of confidence from whoever that singer is going to be, because they are going to be singing on their own quite a few times throughout this piece. Mm -hmm. So it's it's definitely a big sing and that it is a project, but I do think that if you have that singer who is very friendly with French and who has the confidence to put on something this big, that might be something that you would give to them. Musical clips for this episode were performed by
0: mezzo-soprano Sarah Austin and pianist Ellen Rissinger and recorded at
2: Carnegie Mellon University's Music Department Recording Studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Purchase information for the scores discussed in this episode are available in the show notes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find this podcast. Episodes drop every first, third, and fifth Thursday of each month. So lit. Song lit is a production of Cincinnati Song Initiative. You can learn more about their network of podcasts at CincinnatiSongInitiative.org/podcasts. So lit, so lit, reimagining the repertoire.
1: Are you craving incredible song recitals? Are you interested in a behind-the-scenes view into professional song making at the highest levels of artistry? Are you looking to develop your own artistic and entrepreneurial skills as a classical musician in this ever-changing 21st century landscape? If you found yourself saying yes to any of those questions, look no further than Cincinnati Song Initiative's week-long program, The Fellowship of the Song. Taking place this year from May 19 through 26, The Fellowship brings together some of the country's brightest song performers and teachers for a week of classes, concerts, and study events and we invite you to join us as an auditor, either in person in Cincinnati or online, wherever you may be located. When you join the fellowship as an auditor, you gain instant access to the entire week's events and can go back and relive the magic through HD video recordings of each and every session. To learn more about this incredible new opportunity, visit cincinnatisonginitiative.org slash audit.